Here it is a Monday, August 9th, and as you are listening to this right now, I am on a jet airplane headed to New York City to do about 15 shows. Hope to see you. I will be at the stand in the Comedy Cellar every night, and then Friday the 13th, ooh, spooky, I'm going to be in Connecticut with the great Bill Burr at Foxwood Casino. It's all about Stoner Rock today, and we've got the king of Stoner Rock right now, Dave Windorf from Monster Magnet, right here on the show. What a great conversation with this man. I've been rocking me some Monster Magnet. When I first heard him walking around Hate Street in San Francisco, Spine of God was killing it everywhere. So many great records, man. So many great records. Dopes of Infinity, all of their music and their videos were top-notch, and he's still going strong with a brand-new covers record out right now, A Better Dystopia, covering some amazing songs, not your old standard covers like, here we are doing all the shit you've heard over your lifetime. Nope. They've got some great deep covers. Of course, a little Hawkwind in there, J.D. Blackfoot, the scientists, and even a fantastic Pretty Things song. So dig into that and dig into this episode. Thank you, Dave, for doing it. Great, great talk with this man. We go all over the place, and uh, he's the real deal for sure. Uh, Before we get into it, a lot of people have been asking me, Where can I get some great denim? Where can I get a great leather jacket? Where do you buy your stuff? I'm going to tell you right now, Oakland, California is where I get it. Standard and Strange. Go to standardandstrange.com slash Delray, D-E-L-R-A-Y, and sign up on their email list because what they're going to do for all the Dell Razors and the Fonzies out there, is they are going to do a drawing once a month and give away a Y2 leather. Okay, you've probably seen me wear a couple of these jackets in my Instagram. I've got the car coat, and I have the new Type 1 tan veggie-looking jacket. I've also bought some incredible denim there. And uh, they're going to give a leather. Just sign up. This is, this is insane. This is free shit. Just sign up. Put your email in there. They're not going to be, you know, selling your info. Don't worry. Oh, the fucking government's got my shit. I signed up for a free leather. No. These guys are family to me. I absolutely love them. And you put your email in there, and we're going to do a live Instagram drawing once a month. It's going to be great. So while you're there, also pick up some denim or some boots. Oh, my God. I got some fucking boots there last week. They are unreal. I picked up some John Lofgren combat boots. And damn, I wish I could wear them the whole time in New York, but it's going to be a million degrees hot. And I'm going to be doing about a thousand miles of walking. So I got to wear dumb sneakers. I'm usually a boots guy. But these John Lofgrens are unreal, man. I finally got a pair that fit me great because I've got the fucking duck wide crazy foot. It's skinny in the back and then goes 
out wide like a damn duck. Anyway, go to standardandstrange.com slash Delray. They will ship anywhere in the world. Put your email in there, and we're going to do a little drawing on September 30th and see who wins a Y2 leather. Oh, man, I can't wait to see. Sign up, and uh, like I said, good people. Also, quick, a shout-out to the new Patreoners. I love you guys. Patreon.com slash Dean Del Rey. And I'm doing bonus episodes. I just put up number 110. 110 bonus episodes. Uh, Zoom Fest every week. Shooting the shit with the uh, friends on Patreon. Here we go. Joey D, Pete Grant, Patrick Rankin, and Tony Edelbrock. Oh, Tony Edelbrock, my old buddy from Sacktown. Didn't see him at Punchline. Bummer. Anyway. Thank you for supporting me. means the world, especially I don't know what the fuck's going to go down. These shows in New York could be the last for a while with how crazy people are getting out there. Could be Mach 2 of a, of a, a lockdown. I don't know. I'm just going to get up each day, stay positive, podcast for you guys, get the Patreon stuff going, do some Zoom, and just do what I can. And not get all doomy and gloomy. As we say on Dark Fonzie, Sad Dean is not coming out. CactusRadioNetwork.com for all my podcasts. At Home with Byron Katie, Dark Fonzie, The Grail, and Let There Be Talk. Also, all the merch has been sent out. If you pre-ordered the Dark Fonzie shirt or the Gertie hoodie or t-shirt, it's out there. It's in your mailbox soon. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe today. Take a picture. Send it to me on Instagram and I'll post you up. I love all you guys. Let's get the candles lit right now. Little monster magnet. Oh, man, this is good. Dave Windorf. <laughs> Look at this, a great, great guest today. Introduce yourself, my man. My name is Dave Windorf, and I'm a member of the rock band Monster Magnet. Hell yeah, Monster Magnet, man. I'll tell you what, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and in the 90s, Monster Magnet dominated San Francisco oh. in, the, in the bars, in the nightclubs, everything. It was like Monster Magnet, Masters of Reality, Tool, White Zombie. Yeah, Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Oh, yeah. All of that, man. And those good days. Those were fantastic days. I, I've seen Monster Magnet a few times. And man, I mean, that dopes in, of Infinity, that record was just, it was spun like daily when that thing came out, man. Nice. Yeah. How are you? Very good. Sitting here waiting for, uh, while the world's starting to open again so I can go on tour. And, uh, you know, just like everybody else, just hanging around, jerking off, waiting for the world to open. Yeah. You're out in Jersey? I'm in Jersey. You grew up, you grew up in Jersey, right? Born and bred in, like, central Jersey, old East Coast uh, town, you know. Not a suburb exactly, but a, an old town, you know, that kind of thing. And there are horse farms around and stuff like that. It's really nice. Oh, wow. Wow. Nice and when you when you first are growing up out there, who is it for you that kicks it off for you? Is it like Kiss or what gets you into the uh, music out of Jersey? Is a heavy Kiss K 
Kiss state, boy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Kiss for sure. I mean, I, I saw Kiss the first time they played Manhattan. Um, yeah, at the Academy of Music. Uh, they opened for Blue Oyster Cult and Iggy and the Stooges. Wow. And uh, yeah, it totally blew me away. Changed, changed my goddamn life. Yeah. They didn't even announce them. They were like a special guest, a new band before the first album came out. And they came on and was just like, well, there was a world before Kiss and now there's a world after Kiss. That's incredible, man. What what was that like? I mean, they're an opener. Did they have just the candle opry and stuff? No fire or anything, right? Yeah, they they had uh no uh they had uh, like three flash bombs, the candelabra, and uh Gene did the fire spitting and blood. But when he did the fire spitting, he set all his hair on fire and burned it off. The roadie had to come out and, like put the uh towel on his head and stuff, and everybody was like, Wow, look, it's a band that they're all Alice Coopers. You know, they were the first band that everybody would put, you know, monster makeup on and do it. So wild to see it that early on. I don't even yeah. see till Dynasty, you know, so that's pretty amazing. I went on to see him 13 times in, in three years. Wow. Like you yeah. were just traveling around seeing him? Well, you didn't have to. I, mean, I lived in the New York area, so they played like all the time, you know. Where wow. I grew up, it was really good. You could just take a train into New York. It took an hour and you could see everything that was. So I saw Sabbath, Bowie, Alice Cooper, King Crimson, Roxy Music, Electric Light Orchestra, uh, just a, a million bands. Yeah. Wow. It's funny because uh, I played music for years and New York, the the local bands were all cover bands. You know, San Francisco and, and L.A., they were like originals, but I was on New York, New Jersey and stuff. And yeah. you'd be you'd be on tour and the cover band would open for you. Yeah, well, that's a bit of like gangsterism. You know, basically, Jersey was a gangster run place, and New York area was run by gangsters. And cover bands was a big business. Uh, they would play the Jersey Shore all the time, like down by down by the shore. And uh, it was a, you know, uh, it filled up clubs. They played all the hits. And then when they, uh, when the big bands came through, they do stuff like, all right, well, we'll get you on this bill. You know, it was a racket, total racket. When you start out, do you start out on a cover band like Twisted Sister, their covers, and then they start to write their own tunes? Is that how you start? Some of them do. Yeah. I mean, I was in a, in a garage band and we played high school dances. So, but we played, you know, stuff like Sabbath and stuff in, in, in high school, but we went original pretty, pretty soon after that. And what was your first guitar that you got? Or did you just jump into a good one or is it just a shitty copy? I was a singer for the most of the time. I couldn't be bothered with playing guitar for a while. Not until I wanted to write songs. That's when I learned how to play guitar. <laughs> I didn't play guitar until I was like 28 years old. Wow. That that was like me. You, you, you're kind of the slave to whatever the guitar player is going to write. And after a while, you're like, I need to just learn how to write music. Yeah, right. You know, you got something, something to, to get this song in your head. In yeah. some sort of shape to teach everybody like what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how long is it? Are you playing before you get monster magnet together? Uh, I was in a band called shrapnel in the late seventies and we played CBGB. So that was the whole beginning for me. I played CBGBs in like 77, 78, 79, 80. Wow. So I was hanging out at CBs doing all that stuff. Then monster magnet came after that band broke up and I just, kind of had this vision in my head about doing the kind of music I heard when I was a little kid, which was early seventies proto metal, like Sabbath and space rock, like Hawkwind, um, 
anything freaky, like the most the freaky post psychedelic early proto metal stuff. So by the time Monster Magic get together, it was like eighty nine. And then Monster Magic, I just did a couple of tapes, started playing around in little punk rock clubs, and uh, it seemed to take off pretty quick. So I was like, all right, let's go. Wow, that's so great. I mean, when when you were playing CBs, were you playing around that whole Chromag scene and all that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And A7. Oh, yeah. Opened up, opened up, you know. Um, that's when hardcore started. I mean, I was in there before hardcore started. I was there there while hardcore started. Uh, when I was playing there, it was still, it was just at the end of when the Ramones stopped playing there in the beginning of like Dead Boys and Suicide, stuff like that. It was cool. Uh, Patty Smith was still playing there. And then it started to change. Those bands got bigger and then hardcore started. Bad Brains. Yeah. What a scene, huh? What, a, what, what, I mean, the music too. I mean, Chromax basically made a masterpiece, you know, it's, and, and defined a whole scene with one record. It's wild. Yeah. It was really wild. And it was really different too, because it was a different scene. It wasn't my scene because there were no girls in it. Yeah. You know, so I, I split. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I never got into it. Yeah. It was all guys. It was dudes playing music for dudes. I like, I was like, I can't see myself doing this. I'm not going to, I'm not in a band to do this. <laughs> so I went the, the old rock way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love those. I love those seventies uh, bands that don't have a lot of glory. It's funny. Like just a couple of days ago, I was listening to the uh, second Hawkwind record, those first two Hawkwind records and cactus and captain beyond and, and all those bands that don't have yeah. a lot of glory that just are, just heavy riff oriented. It's unbelievable when you hear a band too, like that one band. I, I found out about them a couple of years ago. Growers of mushrooms. Yeah, I know that band. Yeah, it's right. just it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're listening to these bands and you're going like this shit is amazing. It's you know? hard to believe that there was a time when that stuff was so prevalent. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, there was. A, and it didn't last long. All those freaky bands. I mean, that's only about. 1970 to about 1973 or 74 that that kind of stuff existed and then it kind of changed more into either fm rock and then later to straight up metal which is not that you know what that is you know or you know hardcore grindcore and whatever extreme metal whatever you want to call it a really special time it just happened to be the time that i was a kid that's why this stuff sticks with me so much of course it's the it's all the they're all keys to your brain. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no matter what you want to do, you everyone's a slave to their first the first time their eyes open. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't think anything hits your brain quite as extraordinarily as when you're 12 or 13. That's when your, your brain just goes, whatever it is that you liked at that time sits with you emotionally for the rest of your life in a really cool way. Oh, it's it's unreal. Once you get Monster Magnet up and going, I know your first uh, record was on Caroline. Remember Caroline? They they were like the indie guys that would just sign some metal and and stuff. You know, they took chances. They crossed over. Um, a lot of chances got taken back then. That was like late '80s. Good time. STP was out. Yeah. Um, Caroline, uh, Sub Pop, Amphetamine, Reptile. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. 
started things started looking good and then all course course all the metal records like metal blade and all that stuff yeah shrapnel metal blade yeah uh, mega force all the force right yeah metallica's out there you know selling records for those guys so they could sign other bands that was the first time i ever saw it really really break up the underground break up into niches you know, niches, like severe niches, you know, it's never been the same since then. Yeah. Before then, everyone kind of tried to climb the same mountain and bands would fight each other off the mountain. And then uh, some smart people uh, realized that maybe it's not necessary to climb all the way to the top of the mountain. Just go off in a niche and climb your own mountain. (laughs) That's true, right? It's like, this is my own pocket over here. Uh, Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth, all of that. And then o- over here, you've kind of got like Soundgarden and, and, you know, I mean, people know Soundgarden for the big hits, but they were out there grinding and Voivod and, and this kind of thing yeah. was going on, you know, screaming trees, screaming trees, uh, yeah, Mark, yeah. Mark Lanigan, man, good yeah. friend of mine, just a, there was that whole other thing. And, and really, I think that I learned all about that stuff was from just bouncing around these uh, bars on hate street because hate street just had this magic of kind of like, check out the, you know, check out this song and their jukeboxes were loaded with stuff like monster magnet and sound garden. And you'd be like, what is this? You go over the jukebox. You're like, wow. I loved it. I mean, the first time I, I went to San Francisco wasn't with monster man. It was like privately. I just went there because I wanted to see hate street before before any more time went by, you know, it was like, I went there in 87. So yes, that was 10 years from, you know, uh, seventies or 20 years from 67. So I wanted to see as much as I could see of the, of the original hate as I could. And I was not disappointed. I was like, they were right up to date and it was still like pumping, you know, alternate music, alternate stuff. And it's not the same way anymore. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, they had the night break, the I-beam, and, uh, you know, Sushi Sunday was happening. You were finding all yeah, these yeah. new bands were rolling through, and and the people just dressed like freaks, and it, it was pretty fucking organic, man. It really was. I mean, I was really stoked to see rock come back like that because it hadn't been like that for a while. You know what I mean? It It hadn't been. It had been since punk rock turned into hardcore um rock itself just like long-haired rock was kind of regulated to hair metal and guns right. and roses and stuff and it kind of fell out of fashion and then when it came back in in a i guess you'd call it grunge but it's kind of before grunge it just started coming back in like you say a really organic way and i, I was happy it's kind of one of the reasons why i started monster man because i was like oh good there's somebody out there that still likes this kind of stuff i'll, I'll do it Oh yeah. I mean, you know, and, and when you think about it too, uh, tool and these bands in early Lollapalooza, I guess that was like 92 ish and J- you know, Jane's and all that. I mean, that's really kind of this garden of, Hey, these are all cool bands that aren't necessarily, uh, your radio bands. And that was kind of hate street, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It, it mean that like, and then a couple of years later, the radio started opening up to that stuff. It actually looked like there was a chance for, for a lot of this stuff that was previously regulated to the underground to actually get out to a mass audience, which was unheard of. You know, it's like, wow, maybe think maybe things, the world will get a little bit cooler. 
and it did for a little while and then it slipped back under again. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you guys go out with Soundgarden, I know this is a uh, kind of monumental in the A and M deal happening. Um, how does that happen? Does like Cornell turn uh, the label onto the band or does the label happen to see the band opening for Soundgarden? It was a uh, complete band to band righteousness, which I rarely see happen. I didn't know those guys. I'm from New Jersey. They're from Seattle, you know? Um, and this was right before, or I guess right as bad motor finger came out. Right. Um, they just happened to go on, 120 minutes or one of those rock shows they asked about you know, dj asked them the dj asked them about bands so they go oh, we really like this band called monster man who put out a record called spine of god and they talked about it and um uh, and then they went on again a couple months later and and i think kim bale had a monster man shirt on wow and it was like really above and beyond the call of duty i mean that kind of shout out especially back then was unheard of so they really did so much you know, to help. And then as far as A&M, they had nothing to do with that. That was just, we had created a buzz overseas and we came back from that. And then we had a bunch of, of record companies looking at us at the same time. And one of them happened to be A&M. Those guys were the coolest. Those guys were awesome. Oh, there, there's no cooler, especially in that era, ultra mega. Okay. Louder than yeah. love. And, uh, you know, once Jesus Christ pose comes out, then they've just kind of they've kind of got this power and they could uh bring bands out on tour with them and yeah and, and create a total cool vibe yeah i mean it's you know and it's important to know that you know when these guys bring bands out they don't really bring them out they allow them to play the band has to get the money to, it's not like they're paying them good money no <laughs> not at all they're not just all. like so i had to go into hawk to do that tour you know? oh yeah yeah oh. They, they don't bring you out. You show up when they allow you to play. Yeah. The two fifty. here you go. <laughs> you got two fifty here, but it was worth it. Of course, to put, you know, to play with, them. of course, of course, of course. Now from spine of God all the way out. One thing that I've really loved about monster magnet was the album covers and the videos, the visuals and stuff. And of course the album cover, uh, of spine of God, Definitely a Hawkwind kind of influenced era album cover, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The whole thing. I was, you know, like I was saying, I was completely obsessed with them, with my, the, the things that went on in my brain when I was a child and the music that hit me. And I thought those kind of images and all I ever wanted to do with, with my music was to put in every ingredient that made me happy when I was a kid from the images that made me happy to the kind of music that I heard to just like uh like what would a uh what would a 14 year old kid in 1971 do if he had the power of a band and what would he do he would pull on all his favorite stuff from b movies from porno from outer space science fiction movies to black sabbath the hawkwind every cool thing that i could possibly imagine in one in one outfit that was my dream band you know, so that's what I wanted to do. Well, he had a fantastic look too. I loved it. I loved everything about it. It was just, to me, it was definitely like, uh, you know, it was just pure rock and roll meets like a desert film, you know, like Tulane Blacktop. The oh, movie. cool. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Thanks. You know you what I mean? 
you're just kind of like, wow, listen to this. It's like something you throw on and it's just like you take some mushrooms and you drive in through the desert yeah. and you come across your band playing and you're like, whoa, what is this? You know, I couldn't like, I couldn't think of, you know, I, I never wanted to. I thought that was so rich that uh, that whole thing, that beginning of heavy music and that whole tail off of psychedelia. I thought that that's, that had so much to do with with rock culture in general that was still surging through. I didn't see anything super modern that came up in the next bunch of years that made me any happier. So I never switched. I, I never had a, it wasn't like, oh, I want to go into technical music or or change or change style over that much because I don't think it had been done any better since then. I still don't think so. You know? that, but that's just me. Did you, were you into some of the other psychedelia other than Hawkwind, like Grateful Dead and Pink Floyd and stuff like that? Cause I didn't get into the dead till last, you know, 15 yeah. years or so, but I, I'm still trying with the dead, man. It's yeah. kind of tough for me. Yeah. I like, I like the stuff that was more like insane. Like, uh, you know, I was a big fan of authors like Hunter S Thompson and Tom Wolfe and that stuff was kind of bent. It was kind of like the other side of crazy psychedelia, a little bit meaner, a little bit more. Uh, I like that kind of stuff. So the dead, I mean, I have a lot of respect for them. Right. But I, but everything else you mentioned. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm aware of everything. I love all music and there's a couple of dead songs I like, but I like the stuff that was a little bit more psychotic and less narcotic. Now, I wasn't into the, in the, into the, like, you know, yeah, let's mellow out. It was like, I didn't want to mellow out. I wanted to go. Ah! Yeah. 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 R crumb. R crumb. Yeah. I was like an R crumb guy. Yeah. Like R crumb Hunter S Thompson freak brothers explosion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if Bukowski smashed into R crumb. Yeah, ex exactly. I mean, I thought that was some of those, some of those, um, quote unquote negative elements of the of the late 20th century mid to late 20th century is some of the most striking arresting stuff i mean uh beat poetry hunter s thompson bukowski um but mixed in with this love doves lovey dove stuff was just such a dichotomy that was just irresistible and there was it was oh, there was sex in it all of it you know sex and mind blowing and, and all this exciting stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's basically San Francisco, you know, I know. I, I mean, I know. minus the hippie stuff. Once we get into the late eighties, early nineties around the hate, it does turn into this kind of, uh, you know, fakir start piercing tattoo and changing your look. It gets dark and psychedelic, you know? And I think that's where bands like you guys came along and really lit it up. Uh, and, and either, even fun bands like urge overkill was still Love urge overkill. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really intelligent, funny music uh, and rock and music. It's like their lyrics are fantastic. I mean, it, you know, those kind of bands, they don't exist anymore. The, the, there isn't an audience for that kind of intricate, funny slash satirical. And I, you know, and I say funny and I don't mean funny. Like they're a goof. But they were smart, really super smart lyrics. Um, yeah, rock was a lot smarter than <laughs> I got to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah you know, uh, I, I'm I feel so lucky to be able to have uh, witnessed all of that stuff live. You should be, because I think that's the last big, real organic scene 
uh, was that that time. I mean, when the world went digital, organic scenes dried up like the Dust Bowl in 1938. I mean, so much stuff is done online now. So much of the sharing of information, even uh, even people recording and stuff, it's just not not the same. No, not in the world of stems and uh, share the tracks. Uh, we don't even yeah. see each other. Just send it over, e- email it over, and I'll I'll jam it on the couch while I'm watching uh, the Kardashians. You know, it's like there's a that's not that's not what it is, man. That well, know, it's it, it's too easy. You got to be you know beware. Art should not be easy. Yeah, it's not it's, a good thing. No, you know what I mean. There's got to be a struggle behind it for you to feel it. And you only really feel it when a lot of people, when a lot of people are on the same wave and they kind of physically get together and do it. You could see by the meat of rock scenes through history, the meat, meaty, really meaty parts of rock history is when people actually got together, stole from each other, fought with each other and put it out. Now I see um, there's more music than ever, but uh, it's not quite as interesting to follow. When some interesting stuff comes along, boy, does it grab me? Cause you're like, I, I'm yeah. more, I'm more interested on who the people are that put this music out and how did they do it in the world of insanity of 360 deals and, and digital recording and not being together in a room and, and like, we don't have enough money except for to record one night only, you know, there's less stress in doing it now. And there's more, it, it's just a different thing. I hope it turns into something that'll like totally blow us all away. Yeah. You know, in the future. And I think in, in the time that we're in now, it's like basically experimental time, the early days of digital, you know, it's only been like what, 30 years since yeah. that's nothing, you know, we'll see the real surprises coming up. Yeah, we will also. And I think also with the, uh, the cell phone bags, which I really like, we can get back into the organicness of I'm at the show, you know? It's kind of bad that you have to make people put their phone in a bag. It's kind of a bummer. They should yeah. like just not take it out of their pocket. It would be a lot cooler. But what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? We, yeah. If we complained about that, we'd be like two guys saying, get off my lawn, you know, yeah. get off my lawn. <laughs> I never I never yell at people. I don't yeah. I don't tell people to put their phones in bags. Or yeah, yeah but it's like- I, I will mock them from the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about once power trip comes out and, and that whole thing, you guys get some serious traction out there, you know, um, let's talk some, uh, about some of the tours that you did. You were out with Aerosmith. That was pretty badass, right? Yeah, Metallica. it was a great tour. Yeah. Let's talk about touring with Aerosmith. I mean, what- oh, it was awesome. You could tour with these classic rock guys. They're like legends, you know? Yeah. And they got down. It was like a real, you know, Playing with those guys like playing with a real band. I mean, they had like people of all ages at their shows. It was not like some old fuddy-duddy thing. And this is what, I guess in the 90s we did it. And it was still about what you'd want a rock concert to be about. A lot of people all fired up for rock. And these guys were like legends. So it it was really cool. And they were totally cool people. Yeah, they are, you know? man. Well, you know, they were so uh, confident that they didn't feel threatened like a lot of bands do, you know, and they restrict access and restrict and stuff. These guys are like, yeah, whatever you want, you know, just go ahead crazy. And then we did Metallica all over Europe for like two months. Which record was that on? I think it was on load or something like that. Oh yeah. Huge. Yeah. You know, like load or reload. Right. And uh, that was a completely different experience. 
because those guys from coming from a different place, it was more dudes. Right. You know, and so it's kind of a, another thing of dudes playing for dudes. <laughs> so it sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like an album cover, uh, an album title. It, it is. But I've been threatening that for like dudes playing for other dudes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what do you do? They were huge and they, and they were nice to us. They were really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys, those guys are cool too. They're, they are the case also of wearing a band shirt, like Headfield wearing ghost shirt. And all of a sudden yeah. ghost is on the map. That's how powerful yeah. it is for him. He's the yeah. ultimate billboard. You're like, what's ghost? And next yeah. thing you know, you're like, wow, it's yep. a band. Pretty amazing. Let's talk a little bit now. Uh, you did a covers record, right? During the lockdown. Yeah. I did a record called a better dystopia. I, wanted to do something during the lockdown. We had got right at the beginning of the American lockdown. We had just finished the first part of a two-part tour, and that was in Europe. And we just got out of Europe just as Milan fell and as Spain fell. We were still in Europe and uh, going like, we got to get the hell out of here. You know, it's coming. And we got home. And of course, the second part, which was due for America, got canceled. And I was like, there's no way on earth first. I'm not going to do live streaming because it's stupid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just weak, you know, it's just, there's gotta be something better to do, you know, um, than to sit there and ask for handouts while playing in your living room. That's, that's pretty not rock to me. You know, look, I'm playing in my living room. Please buy something. And it was pitiful. And, uh, so I said, well, we're gonna have to make a record, but I didn't have anything written. So I was like, all right, if I can make sense of making a pandemic record out of old songs. I'll do it. I'll just go back to my childhood and pick the, some of the most weirdly psychedelic and po, you know, post-psychedelic early proto-metal stuff that inspired me as a little kid and uh, do it right. You know, like make it a monster magnet record as well, not just a bunch of covers. I think I can come up with like 45 or 46 minutes of a little interdimensional freak hole you can go down to and listen to during the pandemic. So that's what we did. I just went into my, drummer bob pantella's practice studio has set up all our gear and he co-produced it with me and we did this thing called a better dystopia uh, it was really fun it's just like a, just got try to get some of that freaky excitement and how did you pick the tracks were they just ones that you loved growing up and uh, i mean of course because you could easily just go like all right let's just do the first hawkwind record you know but yeah i know and believe me i thought about that too because it's so much fun <laughs> yeah um, i wanted to for the most part, pick tracks that not a lot of people had heard because it would just be ridiculous for me to go out there and do, you know, Hey, look, we did war pigs, you know, like woo, cold um, gin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cold gin. Look at, look at our version of it. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of bullshit. I was like, all right, I got about enough freaky stuff in, in my collection to do this. That was the first, you know, first thing. And then second was like, can I sing it? Can I pull it off? You know, will it sound like Monster Man or will it sound like uh, the band overreaching itself? Because a lot of bands do that on cover records, too. It's just like, why? Well, you know, why are they doing this stuff? So I got enough out of I mean, there's more than enough. I could do five more of these records like that and just put together something that sounded like um, it was coming off the same record. You know, same band, same record. So that's how I chose the songs. Let's go through who, who uh, you covered and the songs you did. Well, first up, it's the intro is by a, a track by a guy named Dave Diamond. And it's an intro to his radio show. Dave Diamond was a DJ in, in uh, L.A. 
in the late sixties. Wow. Never heard of him. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, nobody ever heard of him, you know, it's like back there in a million years ago, he had some nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night show, I guess. And he was right there at the beginning of psychedelia and he just poured it on. It's just insane. The, the way that kind of freaked out psychedelic, funny, you know, unintentionally funny thing, because the guy is obviously an older guy trying to sell psychedelics to children. You know, it's just, it's all wrong. It's, it's so beautifully wrong. He's like fly with me now deep into the depths of the diamond mine. Flying, crying, is God alive? It's screaming like a like a cop on acid. Wow! Yeah. He's like a, your history professor. If, your history professor, if he took too much acid and went off on a bender, just broke his handcuffs and dropped. Yeah, just jumped off his, the overpass. Yeah, yeah, and awesome. That's the way they introduce the record, and then it goes into Hawkwind, Born to Go, which is kind of obvious track, but I had to do it because it's such a cool song. Of course, and also you're gonna, you know what. It's going to be okay. We're going to start with Hawkwind and then we're going to go deep into shit. You're not going to know probably true. And uh, so, yeah, born to go is one of my favorite Hawkwind tracks of all time. And I can't really I don't have any problem with doing as many Hawkwind songs in my life as they possibly can. Cause they rule It's punk rock before punk rock. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Science fiction, punk rock. I mean, how cool is that? And then uh, a song called uh, epitaph for a head by a band called JD Blackfoot which is awesome. I mean, it's just this, again, early 70s paranoia, like a brown acid, bad trip. You know, this guy is, from what I can understand from the lyrics, he's singing about being paranoid about a flying saucer following him. You know? <laughs> I love it. And, and there's some, you know, he's like, there's a black metallic, flat metallic object with its crosshairs over me. You know, no. and then he, for some reason, he just screams out, ah, it's a space God. And then at one point joins a girl that says with one, with one eye closed, the other's two foot open. Oh man. Yeah. Uh -huh. I guess a reference to LSD or, you know, close, closing and making the third eye open or something. And it's played with all these weird stops and starts and some of the best fuzz I've ever heard on a track in my life. Oh, beautiful. It's so great. And then go to Solid Gold Hell by the originally by the scientists, which was a little bit later in history. But that is an awesome song. It sounds like if you know if Elvis was Satan, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> and it, you know, it's like a Stooges lounge act or something. Like really, really cool. And just the songs go on and on. So many good. Are you a heavy psychedelic guy? Oh, you mean do I take psychedelics? Yeah. No, not anymore. I did when I was a kid. No, yeah, of course. Now, I think now if I took psychedelics now, now I think I'd just like climb a radio tower and start shooting people. <laughs> well, psychedelics are those things where you do them young because you're like, ah, fucking, we're dying tomorrow. Who cares? <laughs> then you get older and you're like, that's kind of scary. How many of your hits are on that paper? I don't know oh, the guy. <laughs> yeah, it's like playing Russian, Russian roulette with your id. Yeah. And the 21st century is a weird time for that. So, I mean, there's too much input. Yeah. Yep. 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 There's, there's just so much, there's so much crazy input now that, I mean, you're just like daring the world to freak you out. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's some weird energy out there and you take that shit, you're going to tap into it. I do a lot of uh, microdosing with uh, psilocybin, but I was not doing it's great, man. It's perfect amount. You just do 0.3 of a gram and you're never, you're tripping. You're just kind of always like, all right. You know, you just uh -huh. feel good. 
It's wild. It's like when they first come on and your back teeth are kind of floating. Yeah, right, right. That's it, man. A little, little sparkly. Yeah, that's what yeah. they call it, sparkling, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. funny. A little sparkly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, it's all good, man. The pandemic ain't that bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Well, you know, the world, it doesn't surprise me that it's coming back, you know, in, in that thing. Because, the, I mean, the, the way that the world, we perceive the world now is so different. I don't think the world's any worse than it's ever been. Um, except with maybe a climate change issue. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? I mean, if you take climate change away, which I'm sure will be dealt with at one point, uh, we'll adapt to it. Right. Um, but, you know, speak strictly speaking, in terms of events, this should be the greatest time in the world. I mean, there's less people dying. There's, it's, just, it's not like it's the 20th century where we had two world wars. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? It's like nothing. We it, we have got nothing to complain about compared to it was 100 years ago or eight, or even 80. Also, during the pandemic, you had the Internet. You could just sit home and watch movies yeah. and yeah. shit. You weren't hunting for food. And, right. You know, but the way we perceive it is different than ever before. Right. You know, because of the Internet, so much information, so much disinformation. I'm, you know, when when people start quoting terms like post-truth you know, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like heavy shit. Like we're in the post-truth land now. What is, what does that even mean? Yeah. Right. It's, you know, but it's, it's not because it's things are really worse. It's because basically people make it worse by all talking at the same time. That's the trouble with social media. Everybody talks at the same time. Nothing ever gets done when everybody talks at the same time. No, no, no one's listening. It never did. No one listens when everybody no, talks. Not at the really. Same time. Just their they, own thing. But everybody thinks they are. Yeah. They think they're listening. <laughs> they do. You ever have a conversation with someone and you know they're just listening so they know when to come in? You know, dude, dude, it's like nuts. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'll, I'll have no part in. I don't do social media. Yeah, no social media for you. No, it's ridiculous. No. Good, good. It doesn't help anyone. When you recorded this record, speaking of uh, fuzz, uh, which is a heavy, heavy thing in all of the psychedelic uh, music, what were some of the fuzz pedals that you found to be the best? Oh my god! Well, it's, man, there's so many, and they all have their they all have their their absolute beauty in their distortion. Like when you think about it, it's so great. It's like here's a pedal that's most that's designed to make what you have sound worse. It's great. Like, this is really going to fuck it up. And they fuck it up in different ways. A little less mid-range, a little less this. Um, we use ancient fuzz pedals like the Fuzz Face. Oh, yeah. Um, great. Um, um, there's one called the Fox, which is a beautiful pedal. It's kind of wow. like a like a Fender blender. Wow. It's from, like, I think, 1970. It's, it's actually a beautiful pedal. It's, like, red and purple, like, purple fuzz, uh, purple, like, fur on it. Um Wah, a Vox Fuzz Wah. Oh, yeah. Which is really a, a, really like a Yardbirds kind of thing. So we use fuzz pedals like that. A couple more modern ones. But a lot of times, the most of the thing is like you get the fuzz pedal and then you just back off the, um, more or less you back off what's coming through the amp to let the fuzz pedal get its own quality. And then fuck it up on top of that. Like fuck with a little mid-range here and there. It's a whole science of which is so funny because it's a science of non-science distortion. 
it's not scientific, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like all the stoner rock bands uh, that came after all the originals. It was just like, Oh yeah, you got your fuzz pedal. Okay. (laughs) You know, and your curly cord. I get it. (laughs) I I get it. I get it. They're all not, they're all not created equal. You know, it's like some fuzz just sounds like air and it doesn't translate well. Like you can have a fuzz pedal that sounds really cool when you're three feet away from it. But as soon as you get like six feet into the audience, you can't hear it at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's where he's like, all right, what do I have to do to fucked up to, to de fuck up this fucked up sound? Cause once it's fucked up, it sounds so cool, but how are we going to make this fucked up sound be fucked up 12 feet into the audience? It's just so insane, but <laughs> well worth the effort. What are you rocking for amps? Just Marshall. Yeah, Marshalls are like old Marshalls, like 50 watt Marshalls and, uh, and fenders for, yeah. for clarity. No real need to get, um, I think, uh, you know, most mu- music with a couple, um, most musical instruments with a couple rock instruments with a couple exceptions, they kind of hit a sweet spot in the, uh, uh, mid to mid sixties to mid seventies. So, I mean, if you're looking for the kind of tones I'm looking for, I don't have to look much further. I mean, now in modern metal, which is a lot brighter, those guys, they don't even use amps anymore. And compressed, too. It's all yeah, just super, super compressed. Like, so helmet, like Helmet came out, and they had that tight thing, and then everybody just took it further and further and further. Yeah, and the compressors got better. I mean, yep. the digital, digital, digital compressors are, like, way over the top, and that's what you hear on those big modern metal records like Mastodon and all that kind of stuff. They, they, they really, really up the fidelity of, of all that kind of stuff. I don't think necessarily it sounds cooler, but it sounds bigger. Yeah, I love Mastodon, man. When you yeah. like the, the those are like soundscapes, man. They sound yeah. like it sounds like you're out on a ship. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, right? I love it. Yeah, a lot of work goes in those records. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Right. Now, what do you got going? You it, it's opening up a little bit. You think you're going to get out on the road by the end of the year, or wait for 2022? Yeah, trying to. Well, 20, 2022 will probably be the bulk of the touring, but uh. We had our, our first regular record on, I think, uh, Caroline and uh, was a record called Spine of God. And that's yeah. going to be, I think, 30 years old this wow. year. So we're going to do a bunch of shows doing that. Oh, doing that's Spine great. Of God and, and early stuff only. And uh, I'd like to, if I can, get out the old liquid lights and try to do try to do it really, really old school. So I have some ancient psychedelic sarcophagus of, of music for a couple of shows. And then looking at 2022 to just get out there and not stop. Right. Right. I love those old psychedelic, you know, I really love that Fillmore lighting gig back in the day with just the oils on the, it's amazing. Oh, oh, the oils on the high school projector. There's nothing cooler than that, man. It's so vibey. It's like, it's dull compared to the modern led brightness of stuff. And it, it takes a little while for the eye to get used to, I would imagine, if, especially if you're a kid used to going to think. But the vibe of it when you're in the room, irreplaceable. I mean, <sighs> it's really weird. Yeah. It's a cool vibe and stuff. I, I, I can't believe that people haven't glommed onto it more. I'm sure there's a bunch of kids that'll that'll come up with it again and go, wait a second, let's do all this. Let's do this analog, you know, because it's real liquid. You know, it's it's liquid and food dye being broadcast through this ultra bright light. And so it's automatically got a, like a, uh, a non-harsh tone to it. The reds are deeper. The blacks are blacker. 
It's just crazy. It comes on and immediately. I'm thinking of apocalypse. Now I'm thinking about, yeah, exactly. you know, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, Jim Jones, Guyana grape, just real dark, weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of black holes in, in that kind of light show. Yeah. You know, you don't see everything. You'll be like, there'll be all this color and then this deep black and you don't know what's going on. Like one of the, a couple of the band members actually are not seen on stage. And then this giant thing of color comes on the other. So it's really scary. And it's very um, three-dimensional in that, yeah. in that respect. Who did that Spine of God album cover? It's beautiful. That was done by a really good friend of mine named Rob Leacock. He still lives in town. Excellent artist. Boy, he's come a long way since those days. He was like 18 when he did that cover. Damn. But yeah, I just wanted to get the, the creepiest, you know, thing. I was like, here's the mission statement, you know? It's so good. It's so, is that guy still doing art? Oh yeah. His art's fantastic now. Wow. But he's graduated from that to more of a graphic style. He grew up as an artist, you know, back then he was doing um, a lot of metal covers. He did the covers for a band called Ripping Court from around here and did a lot of work. He's excellent. You ever go into the city at all anymore? Yeah. Every once in a while, it's different. It's not as much fun as, as it used to be. Like the mom and pop stuff is starting to close up. So. There's less independent stores and, um, you know, there's a gap everywhere, you know, Yeah, yeah. so it doesn't look much different from other cities. Yeah. But I went up there during the pandemic just to, just to take a drive during the lockdown. And, uh, it was wild, man. I never got to New York city so fast in my life. Wow. Wow. I got up. It usually takes an hour to get up there. I got up there in like 48 minutes and I felt like Charlton Heston in the Omega man. Yeah, like a completely dead New York at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah, unheard of. Yeah, that is it, that was like L.A., you know, like Highway 5. You could just do 100 miles an hour down it. It was like no one around. So bizarre. The cops didn't seem to give a shit. You know, no. they were just like, eh, like yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Well, it was great talking to you, man. And congrats on. uh Still playing music after all these years. I love people like you, just a soldier out there. And oh, music it. always gives back. I mean, it's a you know, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a you know, it's a, it's not. I couldn't I couldn't not do it. Right, you know? right. That's all I ever wanted to do was have a life in music. You know, and uh, and I, I got away with it. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, are you a comedy guy? Stand up comedy? Not for a long time. I mean, you know, I'm a, like a Don Rickles guy. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not for a long time for yeah. sure. Not for a long time. But Don Rickles guy. No, um, there were comedians I liked here and there. Um, what it, uh, a good joke is always a good joke, but I never really, I wasn't like the guy that went to the comedy store and all that stuff. You know? Right. Right. For some yeah. reason, I mean, like, I like my comedy and in, in bits and shorts. And there's a lot of, there were, you know, there are too many geniuses. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I know a lot of people that like their comedy just on the tour bus, you know, watching it from city city. No, I mean, I love comedy. I love to laugh at stuff, but the whole stand up thing was uh, brutal. It almost hurts me to watch because I, all I can do is see that the fear in the people's eyes as they do it. I don't know. I can't understand how a stand up comedian does what he does. I mean, they're the most naked. That's what you do. That's the most nakedly exposing thing you could possibly be doing your whole life. Oh yeah. I looked at him and I just cringe. I was like, you better be fucking funny or I'm going to like, I'm going to die. It's not because I'm demanding them to be funny because I feel the pain. 
Oh yeah. As a performer, yeah. I get it. Like if the power went out for a rock band and you're just standing there like, ah, well, that's the way it is for a comedian every night. I mean, it's exactly. like you have to generate, you have to generate every inch of that power. I have nothing but the highest respect for, for that kind of thing. And I, and I would imagine now it's got to be harder than ever because of the limitations on the limitations, uh, on uh, what you can or can't say before someone comes in there and, you know, and, you know, canceled you or whatever. I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, it's like, yeah. to me, comedy is always best when it's pushed over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's restrained, when it's restrained by morality, it's kind of bullshit. It has nothing to do with politics or my own morality. It's just like funny is funny. You know? And it's like, I know how to understand what's why something's funny and why, why, Right. Uh, why off comedy is so funny. Um, there's room enough for all of it, but, and of course you don't need to be off all the time to be funny. That's not for sure. But without that element in it, I don't see comedy as being, could be that vital. And the same thing with music too, obviously. And it's like, we live in a weird time. It's like a lot of people trying to do good things for people, but they're over moralizing and they're trying to clean up the world by cleaning up people's speech. It was a big fucking mistake. Yep. Yeah, you can't do it. You can't do it that way. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you out there rocking it, man. And uh, I'll come down and uh, hang out and hear some monster magnet. I can't uh -huh. wait. And uh, everybody go out and check out the new covers record and go back and listen to all. I went yeah. back and listened to it all last night again. It'd been probably five years or so. And I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I rocked it all last night, you know? And I was like, this shit is just classic. The videos are amazing. Everything about it, man. I love it. Pure rock and roll. Really fun to make, man. You know, those oh. videos back when they actually paid you, you know, they actually yeah. had a budget for videos. It was really cool. Oh, man. And you, you spent the budgets. I love it because they look great. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for doing the show. Thank Hope you, to dude. see you soon out on Hold the road. On. Candles lit, my friend. Right on. I'll see you, buddy. Good luck, man.